Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. baby welcome in it is a late sunday early monday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj john jostremski right here on the ringer podcast network no days off for the new york new york crew in what will hopefully be a very eventful april and may of 2023 who knows maybe we can even dabble and make it a very eventful june going into 2023 had a ton of fun last night. Knickerbockers taking down the Cavaliers in game one. The brilliance of Brunson down the stretch. Josh Hart with the biggest shot of the game. All of the Knickerbocker intangibles, even surviving the fact that R.J. Barrett was an absolute abomination and that you got very little out of Emmanuel quickly. The Knicks do their job in game one. Now you get ready for game two, and there's not as much stress without question getting ready for game two. And can you imagine what the vibe and what the scene is going to be at Madison Square Garden on Friday night for an 8.30 tip? I mean, you talk about a juiced up, liquored up, insane Madison Square Garden crowd. You are going to have yourself an insane Friday night Nick crowd for game three of this series with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And listen, nobody's rooting for injuries here. I actually hope everything's A-OK with Giannis. I love Giannis. I'm a big fan of Giannis. Full disclosure, I might have a couple of bucks on the Milwaukee Bucks to go and win the NBA title with some other things. So, listen, obviously they put a Knicks. That goes out the window. I want to see Giannis play. I don't want any lame paths to the Eastern Conference Finals, but that was one of the major storylines from this weekend. Miami wins game one. Giannis goes down in the first quarter and does not return with the back injury. So, that's something you got to monitor now 
over the next couple of days. And the narrative and the feel around the Knicks is a simple one. They are more than legitimate and more than just a puncher's chance to go and win this series. Why not? Cleveland's an inexperienced team. They had no answers offensively outside of Donovan Mitchell. They have no bench. The Knicks can win this series. I'm not saying they will. I picked Cleveland in seven. I hope I'm wrong on that prediction, might I add. But the Knicks are not going to be intimidated playing the Cleveland. I expect a spirited, feisty, very competitive effort on Tuesday night, even though it's the quote-unquote house money game. Four and a half points tells you all you need to know. The Knicks are very live in that particular spot. So there is a whole lot of positive, fired up, New York Knickerbocker energy as they win the first game of this series. And you could dare to dream a little bit. Hopefully we're daring to dream quite a bit over these next couple weeks. Now, before we get to what we will have coming up with the hockey, a couple of baseball thoughts. Not a great weekend for the Yankees from this standpoint. Forget about splitting the series with the Minnesota Twins. I don't, be that as it may. Yankees don't win their first series of the year. They still haven't lost the series. What I am bothered by and what agitates me is the news that you got Sunday morning waking up regarding Giancarlo Stanton and the grade two hamstring tear or strain, whatever it may be, that's going to cost him four to eight weeks. It's infuriating. And let me make this clear when it comes to Giancarlo Stanton. He's won me over. He's been a clutch Yankee. When he is on the field, he has been a productive New York Yankee. It's moonshot home runs. He kills the Boston Red Sox. He's hit in the month of October each of the last three years. Like, I honor that particular element when it comes to John Carlos Stanton. As a Yankee fan, I appreciate it. I like it. What I can't stand, though, is the lack of durability. And this is a common theme with this player. Whether he's in the outfield, whether he's not in the outfield, it doesn't matter. See, that's the one thing with Stanton that you guys and gals all have to understand. You could try to baby him. The Yankees have tried babying him every which way. Oh, we're not going to play him in the outfield. We're going to give him the days off. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it still doesn't work. The guy still gets hurt. 2019, he missed the entire year. 2020, they barely played. He still missed a chunk of games. 2021, for the most part, he played. And 2018, he played for the most part. But three of the five Yankee years, he has been here. He has missed significant time with injuries. That is a major topic of conversation of his Yankee tenure. That when he plays, it's spectacular. It's inspiring. It's salivating, all of that. But it's infuriating, absolutely infuriating to know that he's going to now miss basically the rest of April and the rest of May. And I know expanded playoffs, have them right when it matters the most. That's that's all well and good. You want to watch your guys play on a consistent basis. Like that's one of the beauties of baseball, knowing, hey, guess what? Certain guys are going to be in their spots. They're going to be there. They're going to go in and, and do special things on the baseball field. To now know you're not going to see those things and those tape measure home runs from John Carlos Stanton anytime soon, sucks. 
And make no mistake, it is a blow to the Yankee lineup. And you saw it on Sunday. The Yankee lineup, without Stanton, lacking. They're lucky DJ LeMayu bailed them out. Homer, RBI single, but it, it goes beyond just DJ LeMayu bailing out the Yankees. You know what really bailed out the Yankees? The guy who has been as good as any pitcher in all of baseball to start off 2023, and that is Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole goes the distance, a complete game shutout against the Minnesota Twins. When you have questions currently about the status of the ninth inning for the New York Yankees, where I was at the game on Friday, I see Clay Holmes come in, and I had a feeling a couple runners on, Carlos Correa at the plate, this is not going to end well. Sure enough, it didn't end well, and the Yankees end up losing that game. So like today, as I'm sitting there watching the game, I'm like, I don't want to see anybody but Garrett Cole finish this game off. And credit, Matt Blake and Aaron Boone, they said, hey, we're going to let Garrett Cole cook. We're going to let him go and finish this game. And the stuff has been exemplary for Cole. Here's the amazing narrative so far about Garrett Cole's start to the year. It's not just the idea that he has all these wins. It's not just the unbelievably low ERA. What was the bugaboo, not just last year, but the last couple of years for Garrett Cole in the Yankee uniform? He's given up way too many bombs. Whether it's of the solo variety or the three-run variety, too many home runs that wreck starts for the Yankee A's. Well, I don't want to jinx anything, but it's worth bringing up, and it's obviously something that I got to mention. So don't blame me if he gives up three home runs in his next start. Toronto Blue Jays also a pretty good offensive team, but be that as it may, Garrett Cole has not surrendered a home run to any batter in 2023 so far in a regular season game. That's the most impressive thing that he has done so far this year. And remember, the Yankees are short-staffed in that rotation. They do not have Carlos Rodon. They do not have Luis Severino. Forget about Montez. They knew that in February they weren't going to have him. And it really has required that much more out of Cole and out of Nesta Cortez. And so far, both guys have been completely up to the challenge. I saw Nesta pitch the other night. He's such a joy to watch. He changes speeds. He's so crafty. He's the perfect yin and yang with Cole. And I love the fact that people keep doubting Nesta Cortez, that they don't believe in Nesta Cortez. He's the real deal. And from what I've seen so far this year with Garrett Cole, it only emphasizes my preseason narrative that much more that this is the year. That he goes and has the best season of his Yankee tenure and that he goes and wins his first Yankee Cy Young in the pinstripes. Assuming he can stay healthy, which, listen, easier said than done. Look at the injuries around the sport. Look at the injuries around the Yankees. Assuming he could do that, I think he's well on his way to doing so. And, listen, Met fan is going to like this. He's the best pitcher in town because he's in the prime of his career, unlike the other two guys. I know we haven't seen Verlande yet. I know Scherzer was brilliant and was better than Cole last year. Right now, I tell you, you can have one pitcher for the rest of 2023 on either of these rosters. Who are you taking? I'm taking Garrett Cole. Because he's going to take the ball every fifth day. He's going to go deep into games. He's going to compete his tail off. And he's in the prime of his career. The other guys, no disrespect, they're in the later stages of their careers. So I think he's making that case with his start to 2023. I know my buddy, uh, the great Ryan Carlin, is not going to like that. I'm in a uh, Met chat with a couple of guys. So I dropped that in their chat. They didn't like that the other day. But you know what? They got to be shouted out on the pod. 
Love you guys. It needed to be said. Now, speaking of the Mets, I have to admit, this weekend series was really tough for me to watch. And listen, from a Mets standpoint, it was fantastic. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. You get a zillion walks on Friday. Sunday is the most dramatic game of the bunch. You're down a run in the ninth inning. You're shorthanded in the bullpen. It looks like Curtis is going to yuck up the game. And Pete Alonso, who has been as good as any power hitter in baseball, he's done nothing but hit bombs all of 2023, hits the homer to tie the game. Clutch. You find a way to win in the extra innings on the wild pitch. You survive the fact that Escobar grounds into the double play. Thank goodness that Brett Beatty is getting called up to this team. The Mets could not wait five months for Escobar to hit. Escobar can now work his way into the DH platoon, and Brett Beatty can play every day, which is something the Met lineup, in my opinion, desperately needs. That was a jolt of energy, and Ronnie was a little tongue-in-cheek if you noticed that he was doing a lineup today. It was like, Escobar at third, not for much longer. You know, even Ronnie knows what's uh, coming with the youngster who's been tearing the living you-know-what off the ball at Syracuse. So I'm excited to see Brett Beatty, but this weekend was tough to watch. The A's are a disgrace. I mean, they were like 2 of 30 from runners in scoring position. Their at-bat quality sucks. You can't name half the guys. Half the guys. You can't even name uh, five Oakland A's. I watch a lot of baseball. I watch a lot. I- I'm not one of these frauds. I watch, okay? I have the fantasy team. I have the Beaks. I, I go on MLB Network. I do this. I'm watching the games this weekend. I'm like, who's on Oakland? Tony Kemp. Luriano, Sears, Waldachuk. I know that because the Yankees got him or traded him a couple of years ago. It's like, who in God's name is on this Oakland team? They're going to win like 50 games this year. And get them the hell out of Oakland. If you're in Oakland, I feel sorry for you. You have no stadium. The environment sucks. That stadium is an absolute dump. Go to Vegas where you belong. Let them live. Let them play next to Al in Allegiant Stadium. That way we can go to Vegas. The Yankees will be in town. I can rock my Mike McDaniel sunglasses and we can watch three days of baseball together and, and then maybe go to the win and, and roll the dice afterwards and, and then maybe find our way onto a golf course the next morning. Can we Can we just get the A's to Vegas? Enough. I mean, they're running a team like they're a freaking triple-A team. It's a joke. It's a joke. And I'll be saying this all year with Oakland. It actually would have been a bad walk getting back to the Mets if they had not swept this series. Two out of three was not going to be acceptable. And this would have been a bad loss on Sunday. So job well done, Alonzo. Job well done by David Robertson. And the Mets now can get ready for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who early on do not look like the same Dodgers that we've seen the last couple of years. And sooner or later, those defections, a Seeger, a Turner, losing Bueller, like that's got to hurt. That, that, that's that's got to hurt your team. To me, the Dodgers are way more top-heavy than they've been in, in years past. So I do think the Mets can go and play well. And Scherzer got pushed back, so we're going to see him, I guess, in this Dodgers series. Beatty, I expect to see him on Monday night. I'm fired up about that. I'm trying to put the claim in for Brett Beatty on my fantasy team right now as we speak. So that's what you have to look forward to with the Mets taking on the Dodgers. And then it will be the Mets 
against all the former Mets when they play the Giants, when it's Flores and Conforto and J.D. Davis and Darren Ruff. It's going to be a homecoming weekend for the uh, Mets and the San Francisco Giants. So, lot cooking as far as the baseball goes. Now, the hockey. It starts on Tuesday. Rangers-Devils. The Devils outperformed the Rangers in the regular season. Devils had head-to-head success against the New York Rangers in the regular season. Do I put a whole lot of stock in that? Not particularly. I don't. To me, the Devils are an inexperienced team. The Rangers have a monumental edge in that. Monumental. The biggest thing the Devils have going for them in this series is, hey, nobody believes in us. Nobody's given us a chance against this team that last year was everybody's darlings in the postseason, that found their way to an Eastern Conference final. Like, that's the card I'm pulling if I'm the Devils going into this series. If you're the Rangers, look, you're not intimidated starting the series on the road. A third of the crowd is going to be Ranger fans, potential, if not more. Second of all, you got to assume, right, that the postseason experience of last year, combined with the moves, Tarasenko coming in, Patrick King coming in, loading up your roster, should be the difference in going and winning this series. Devils have had a fantastic year. Listen, Jack Hughes is a stud. They bring in Palat, you know his name. They bring in Timo Meyer. So, like, they, they, they have brought in some legitimate pieces. And they got dudes. There's no doubt. Listen, for me to say that as a casual hockey guy where I'm like, wow, I know who this guy is. I know who that guy is. Like, that, that, that speaks volumes to what the Devils have been able to do this year. That said, it is indefensible if the Rangers lose this series. It's indefensible. They cannot lose this series to the Devils. I don't want to hear it if they do. Because then all of the progress of last year and all of the moves that you made, it's you're not getting on a deep run in the postseason this year. That's going to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly tough to take. So I'm looking forward to that series starting on Tuesday. And then you have the Islanders who are going to need their netminder to go and stand on his head in this particular series. It'll be the Islanders taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. And listen, Carolina is beat up. I think the Islanders somewhat live in the series. I mean, the series price indicates that as such. I mean, you're seeing them right around plus 140, plus 145, which is a little lower, quite frankly, than what I thought it was going to be. Remember, A lot of experience for the Islanders. A lot of guys back from that team that was in the conference finals a couple of years ago. You have Sorokin, who played at a very high level all year. And the Islanders had to fight their way into the postseason. Got off to a sluggish start. Got cooking over these last few weeks. We'll see if they ride that momentum. And I I mean, listen, I'd expect them to give Carolina a very feisty series. That's in their DNA. I, I don't think Carolina's a team that's incredibly explosive. They play these ugly, grinded-out type of games. So we're going to have a lot of fun around here. I mean, just think about our next two weeks. It's like every night, it's either an Islander game, a Nick game, and we'll see if anybody can help the Kale Bridges. And then a Nick or a Ranger Devil game. Plus all the baseball going on. You absolutely have to love it. All right, let's take a couple of calls. We'll take a quick break. uh, And then we'll set the stage for what else we got coming up on the pod. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. All right, let's do some voice spells. 917-382-1151. Uh, let's hear them, Steph. Hey, JJ, it's Mac of Huntington Beach. I just need to give you a call before we get going with this Rangers Devil series. The way I see it, JJ, there's not a more evenly matched series in this first round. You got two teams that are right next to each other in points. And when you break it down, I guess the Rangers probably have an edge in two places. One, goaltending with Igor for sure. And then, I don't know if you're into the whole playoff experience thing. The Rangers got that uh, with what they went through last year. And then also the guys they added at the trade deadline. I have some friends telling me they're nervous. They don't want to face the devil. What if things go bad? I look at it. If you can't get up for this series and enjoy it, maybe sports for you. Let's go, Rangers. Can't wait to get started. Talk to you soon. Maddie. I know you're fired up. I know you'll be joining us on Tuesday night. We got a big... How about this for a Tuesday night? You have the Knickerbockers and the Cavaliers at 7.30. You have the Rangers and the Devils at 7 o'clock. I like that they are staggered. Whenever the Knick game goes final, we will have uh, Twitter spaces. You notice I almost called it Spotify Live, but I corrected myself. We had a great Twitter spaces on... Saturday after the Nick game. So we'll do all the Ranger Devil reaction. We'll do all the Nick reaction. Uh, and we'll do it during the Met game. So it'll kind of be like a live watch as we uh, go through Mets Dodgers. Not going to wait until 3 in the morning. Half of you will be asleep. Uh, but you want to join us. And listen, a lot of you have been asking. Spotify Live, you got the notification. Twitter, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting the notification when you go live on Spaces. This is going to be annoying. But if you want to be a part of the show and you want to know, hey, listen, when we're coming on. Exactly, to the nth degree. Subscribe to my notifications on Twitter on those particular days. You don't want to see me tweeting about, you know, succession or my golf game or my runs. All right, great. But when you know Twitter Spaces is coming and you want to shoot the shit and get after it, you follow. And I'll keep it simple for you. 10 to 15 minutes after every Nick game, just go on freaking Twitter. We all do it anyway. And you go in a room and you speak. It's real easy. I'm telling you. Anybody can do it. I mean, I got guys and gals in here who are in their 60s and 70s who are finding a way to do it. So if they can do it, you can do it. You understand? All right. Who's next? Hey, JJ, Charlie, and Helm first. So uh, great talking to you on the, after the Knicks game one win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, so other than that, like, I, don't know, I want to talk about the Yankees a little bit now. I think the Yankee offense is, they have some cover, but uh, the Stanton going on the IL is not the best thing, uh, news that came out from this team. I think it'll be all right. But in terms of like the pitching is a little more concerning, excluding Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez. And Yankee salvage a split in this series. She won that tried a game when Cortez was pitching great. Like Garrett Cole, he is money. Like, he is money. I have the ultimate trust on him. Like, 
in today's today's game, I really don't trust this bullpen, especially whenever Clay Holmes warming up. Like, I don't want him back in this game pitching. And that's the moment where Garrett Cole, like, I think his life is so different. He has the poise, he has composure, like, and I think he's more comfortable now with the Yankees pitching here. And I think the fan base has really, uh, I think, accepted him. And really, I am really uh, have the ultimate loyalty in terms of trust, being the starting pitching staff, be the ace. And boy, he was magnificent today with 10 strikeouts, complete game shutouts. I wish he, uh, he struck out Correa at the end. Uh, that would be the more satisfying way. But hey, uh, great um, win by the Yanks to split the series. And um, and I think Cole's gonna be money, man. Cole's gonna be money this year, and he's gonna have a monster, monster season. All right, man. See ya. I'm right there with you with Garrett Cole, and who knows, Charlie? Maybe it's the short haircut, or maybe it's the idea that hey, he's been in New York now for a couple of years. He's experienced highs. He's experienced lows. I learned a lot about Garrett Cole last year in the postseason because he had that Boston start in 2021 which was awful. And he was hurt, but you know what? Tough shit, he pitched. No excuses. Pitched poorly. Came back, didn't have a great regular season. Billy Crystal, home runs, even with all the strikeouts. Nesta Cortez was the best pitcher for the Yankees last year. Not Garrett Cole. But in the playoffs, two biggest games against Cleveland, setting a tone in game one and an elimination on the road in game four, he was brilliant. And he sacked up and gave the Yankees exactly what they paid for. That is the sort of element that has me excited about Cole to the point where it's like, hey, I've I've delivered. I failed. I know what I'm getting now in New York. This is not any confusion for me. There's no uncertainty here. I know what I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. And he seems as locked in as I've ever seen him. Great feeling if you're a Yankee fan. What's not a great feeling at the moment is what their ninth inning looks like. And I know Quay Holmes yucked it up in the eighth inning. He scares the crap out of you. He's not throwing strikes. His stuff has not been as imposing. He should have blew a game the other day to the Cleveland team. He yucks it up to the Twins. His ERA is over six. That's a problem. And I tweeted this out after Friday night's game, and I really feel this way. Obviously, that's why I tweeted it out. I think the Yankees will be far more likely to go and get themselves a reliever of high magnitude come July than they will be to go and get themselves a starter. Injuries obviously can dictate that. Who knows what the team looks like in July? But that bullpen needs another arm or two. And I don't know how the ninth inning is going to look for the Yankees in Aaron Boone. Like, they can tell me all they want about, oh, Clay Holmes is our guy. Clay Holmes is our guy. Well, if he's thinking up to join May, he's not going to be the guy. So, he's somebody that's under the microscope now over the next couple weeks. That's the way it goes. When you're a closer and your name's not Mariano Rivera, but you don't have that resume or that track record, not as much of a leash. And it really makes you put into perspective how freaking lucky were New York Yankee fans to have from 1997, I'm not even going to say 96 because Mariano was a setup man in 96. From 1997 until 2013, 
You didn't have to worry about a damn thing in the ninth inning. Think about that. That's why Rivera is Rivera. To go. Let's take one more. Hey, Jason. It's uh, Marty from New York. Uh, I have a question about what you think about RJ long term. I don't think he has a place on this team long term. I think they have too many ways in guys and grind and RJ. And he has pretty good value, I'd say, on the open market just based on his age and his contract not being too crazy. So I'm wondering your opinion. I personally would like to get rid of him and some draft picks and try to uh, add a better player. Thanks. Nick Fan is down on RJ Barrett. They gave him a ton of money. He had a disappointing regular season. His three-point shot is non-existent. He's lost confidence. And he started off the postseason as poorly as humanly possible. He should be a guy that's got a monster chip on his shoulder in this series. We talked about that with Alan Hahn a couple of nights ago. He was one of the guys that was in the Mitchell package that he didn't want to move. Now, to say Mitchell and Brunson would be a great fit, not so sure about that. But, you're down on Barry. And, Here's my feelings for the rest of this series and whatever you see the rest of this postseason. He is going to start games. We all know that. He's guaranteed nothing at the end of these games. And I don't know what matchup had Tibbs more inclined to go with Barrett as opposed to Quickly, and for the most part opposed to Quentin Grimes. But I kind of am of the mindset that I don't want to see RJ Barrett out there at the end of these games. I don't trust him to shoot the basketball. It's really as simple as that. I don't trust him. But the good news is you have other options you can pivot from. I think the RJ conversation for his future, that's tabled for the offseason. Problem is, right now, the value is definitely not as high as it was a year ago. And on top of it, you have a contract that's pretty expensive. So, tricky situation for the Knicks. Get through this Cleveland series first. And then we can start taking shape of what the potential offseason is going to look like. Hopefully not for a couple of weeks. All right. Speaking of a lot of NBA action. You know, this guy on the golf course gave me some crap the other day. I didn't play with him, but I'm on the course. I'm like in the zone and I have my music going. I get a text. And there's certain people you see a text from you feel like obligated. I shouted him out on the pod. Took a little pot job at him. He's like, screw you, man. Stay to my face. Now you got to have me on the pod. So that's what we did. Justin Termini. My pal, NBA Radio, will break down the Knicks, Cavs, or NBA Playoff Series coming up next. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Fabulous game one for the Knicks. They take down the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Villanova boys were unbelievable. Um, It's good to always have this guy on the show because he is one of the authorities in the NBA. He has an outstanding radio show. I listen quite often. It gets me in the mood for the NBA playoffs. And I'm glad that Justin Termini, our next guest, 
is also somewhat a consumer of stuff that I'm doing on the ringer yeah. because funny story, I do a, a Friday gambling pod with Simmons and House and Raheem and, and I'm teeing off. I hit a beautiful iron shot uh, on 14 and I get a text from Termini. Hey, next time you got a problem with one of my picks on the ballot, you know where to find me. You can say it to my face. And I'm like, well, now I got to invite him on the podcast. Uh, Mr. Termini, thank you for that text. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I was not happy that I got to learn for, learn of this. Like when I'm sitting down to relax, I'm listening to your podcast as I'm walking the dog. And then I hear that you got an issue with me. I'm like, this guy's got my number. He can call up or you can give the show a call as well. Simmons all the time. If he's listening to the show, he hears something Eddie uh, Johnson, my co-host, and I are talking about. He doesn't like he calls in, he addresses it. So I anticipate that you're going to do oh, the so same. So this here. is great. So if I ever have a bone to pick with you or Eddie, and I'm in the car. I have the open invite to the show. I did not know that. Of course you do. I mean, I I'm mean, not going to get, I know, I know you're not going to bump Adam Silver and you're not going to bump Steve Kerr, but you know, you can, uh, if need be, I got to squeeze myself in there for five to 10 minutes and, uh, try to make my case for my dude Emmanuel quickly to win the six man of the year. I know I have the avenue to do so. I appreciate wait, that. Wait, bump Adam. So like I wouldn't bump. No, like, no, no. I didn't uh, say that. Joe, I, I wouldn't bump Joe from like Houston. Okay. No, there you go. All right. So like as Adam long as Joe in Houston is bumped, I'm okay. That's what I'm saying. I know no, I'm not I'm saying, I wouldn't even do it. You got to wait in line with everybody else. You know, well, as long as Simmons is waiting in line, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with that. He better wait in line too. Then he better wait in line too. Um, listen, I'm thrilled about the Knicks. This is why I wanted to have you on number one. Um, do you think they have a legitimate shot to win this series? Let me put it this way, JT. Did you think going into the series before you watched game one, did you think the Knicks were live in the series or you didn't buy the idea that the Knicks were live in the series? Oh, 100%. They're a much different team than they were two years ago. Two years ago, I never bought into the hype because of the lack of diversity on offense. I mean, this is just a completely different Knicks team. And I, I, I gave them a shot because I picked the series going seven. Uh, and I think we were texting about this. And really, the only reason I leaned Cleveland is because I'm not sure what Julius Randle is going to look like. And Julius Randle looked really like you got to be ecstatic with the way he looked, especially in the first half. He got you off to the quick start, kept you in the game, and then Brunson and, and Hart take over late. But I mean, I think the one thing that maybe you didn't love with Randall is maybe the conditioning, and he tailed off in the second half. But that's something that's going to build here, and you got a ton of days off in between games in the first round. So with a with a Randall that looks like this, and I'm assuming is gradually going to get better, 100% they got a shot and they're alive. You spent a lot of time in New York. You know the type of player, JT, that New Yorkers fall in love with. Josh Hart is that guy. Like, everything about his game, the energy, the attitude, the way he's getting after it for loose balls. He hit the biggest shot of the game. Cleveland had all the momentum in the world. They had a couple of turnovers. They get the lead. And I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be an awful game one loss for the Knicks. That all changed the minute he hit the three. I was talking about this yesterday when we did a live reaction. Do you have a New York player comp? for Josh Hart, or is it just impossible to find one? Like, he's not Starks. Starks a way better player. It's not fair to yeah. Starks. Um, I, he's a better offensive player than a guy like Chris Childs. I was just trying to throw a couple out there. Do you have one for Hart or not really? 
I don't know if you can think of like a New York guy that does it. Uh, I, I will say like the thing that I was thinking about in regards to like the comparisons and these guys don't necessarily hit shot. Like, you know, Draymond doesn't hit a shot, but it's a guy like on a winning team. You have a completely new respect for him. It's the same thing with like Marcus Smart, who plays for my Celtics. Like if you follow the Celtics closely and I'm sure like there'll be a big game, maybe you're rooting against Boston and the guy will knock down a big shot, even though maybe he's like, oh, of seven leading in and Hart's a better offensive player, I think, than Marcus Smart or at least a a little bit more efficient, but it's that type of guy. It's like, you just have a newfound respect when he's playing for a winning organization. And he was playing for the Pelicans. He's playing for the Lakers. He's playing for Portland. He's not going in big games. You're not seeing him in big games. And I think now that you get an opportunity to see him in big games, it's, you, you can tell what type of player he is. He just fits in on a winning team. Uh, and you're right about that shot yesterday. I mean, that's the biggest shot in how long for the Knicks? I mean, under two minutes left. The, mo- the momentum, they're up by eight. They go on a 9 nothing run, and he hits that shot with the bum ankle. Uh, that was the most impressive aspect to me is, like, you blow a lead, you're on the road, you regain your composure, and you're able to seal the deal. So absolutely a huge shot. I, I don't know if I, you know, I answered your question there with the comparison. No, that's okay. It's tough to find one. I, I think that's the point I was trying to get at. But New Yorkers love the guy, and you know who else they love. I, I-, I can't get enough of Brunson. I told you this. multiple times throughout the year. He's so much better than I thought. And my key to this series, JT, if the Knicks were going to have a legitimate shot to win, he had to be the best player on the floor. And maybe he wasn't because of the foul trouble early in this game. And then he gets kind of out of sorts in the third quarter. But even after turning the ball over one or two times, this guy's fearless, dude. He's not going to make the wrong basketball play. He has like basketball IQ up the wazoo. Do you look at the Knicks... As, the, as far as their chances in this series, does Brunson have to be the best player in this series for them to win? Or is there a way other than that that they could go and win this series? I mean, if Julius Randle goes off, but I think Brunson is their best player. And like, I think you're like looking for comparisons. I'd be interested from like the Nick fan perspective is when's the last time you had a guy you felt this confident with the ball in his hand? Not just from a scoring perspective, but just like he's going to make the right decision, right? Uh, I Like it gives him a completely different thing than I think they've had in maybe 20 years. I'm Even sure so with Melo, because let's oh, be honest, JT, Melo, as dynamic a scorer as he was, he'd make the wrong basketball play far too often on far too many occasions. That's all there is to it. 100%. This guy makes the right play every single time. So, uh, and you could also answer this one for me because it's been like one of the more heated debates that we've had on our show. Uh, And I lost one and I felt like I won one with the way that things played out yesterday. I voted Sabonis top five MVP, okay? And I'm arguing with Eddie. He thinks Fox is the better player on that team. I think it's Sabonis. Okay, if you want to just go by one game, I look like the idiot based off how Sabonis played against Golden State compared to how Fox played. Fox was brilliant. But I've been all along on Team Brunson over Rand. Randall, I think he's the better player. I think he's the more important player. I think the reason Randall has had a great season is because the ball's out of his hands, and now you got Brunson making the decisions and putting him in a, in a spot to succeed. But you, as a Nick fan who's watching 82 games diehard perspective, you agree with me, right? It's not Brunson, even close. Huh? I'm right there with you. I right. think it's clear-cut. I think it's obvious. Randall would not be having the season that he's having if Jalen Brunson's not here. That's all there is to it. Last year, Randall was such a disaster I would have taken a bag of basketballs back for him. That's how bad I thought he was. I thought he quit on the team. I thought his body language stunk. And then, JT, they bring in a point guard. They bring in a floor general. All of the intangibles that Brunson provides, they've gotten the next-level play out of Randall. Randall, to me, JT, has been better this year than even he was two years ago when they had that series against the Hawks. 
And he wouldn't be having that success if Jalen Brunson's not here. I'm with you on that 100%. As much as I may disagree on your six-man pick, that and Sabonis with two or three. So I guess you're hitting 667 as far as I'm concerned. Well, just so I can clear something up, because I know you got the Nick, uh, the Nick fan base, okay? That maybe yes. I can't reach with my fan base. In you can't reach him, but that's okay. You can't. No, but you're, I'm going to reach him here, okay? Because my social media feed, like, I'm, I've had a bad week, okay? Because I'm anti Sam Presti and the way that they tanked. That team looks like they're built for the future. The Oklahoma City fan is all over me. I took some major shots at Jimmy Butler because I'm sick of the talking and the lack of backing it up. We're going to win a championship. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then Butler never backs it up. And then he torched the Bucks here and they win game one. Uh, so I'm taking heat for that. And then the Knicks fans giving me crap about quickly. But let me ask you this. Is this enough to get the forgiveness of the Knicks fan? Here's the rest of my ballot. Brunson, who we just talked about. I had a top three clutch player, okay, on my Wow, did right, you so really? I, That's I impressive. Had Fox, okay. I had uh, uh, DeRozan and I had Brunson as my three guys, okay? Then you go to the All-NBA team. I had Brunson third-team All-NBA, and I had Randall third-team All-NBA as well. Can you name me one other person in the media that's got two Knicks, a fifth seed, uh, on their All-NBA teams? And I got two of them. There. No, you cannot. And from that, JT, listen, you want me over right there. I, I can I can overlook the IQ pick with Brogdon. I know you said it's weird though, because you're not Mr. Analytics. That's why. Like I yeah. usually I don't think of Justin Termini as the guy who sides with all the Harvard and the Yale and the MIT guys. You don't strike me as Mr. Analytics. Well, so you're saying I'm dumb. No, 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 no. You know, because you and I have had our debates. Yeah. And we agree on this about how some of the analytics have yeah. ruined some of these sports, especially the game of baseball that we love. No, 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 no. That's not no. what I said. I just, no, I, you're, you're an old soul with basketball. Yeah. That's what I respect about you. But I don't think this is an analytic pick. Like if you look at the numbers across the board, like just take like their, you know, well, they're per 36 numbers, right? Where I think that's fair. I don't know if that's analytics. Do you view that as analytics? Like eh, per 36? Kinda. Kind but of, all right, okay. fine. Well, I'll take them per 36 out of it and just go like across the board. Who's averaging more points? Who's shooting better from the field? Who's shooting better from three? Who's shooting better from the, the free throw line? It's all Malcolm Brogdon. Like, and he's doing that in less minutes if you look up those numbers. So he's doing all that in less minutes. And oh, by the way, he's playing for a better team. So uh, so if the, the numbers are better across the board and he's doing it in less minutes, and he's playing for the better team. I don't see how it's not. Well, your guy's going to win the award. Listen, I just got to have the case for my guy who had the monster performance in Boston, who really stepped up in the absence of Jalen Brunson. I got to have my guys back. Where, where was he yesterday? Oh, well, five? That, you know what? If you're going to tell me the two concerns with game one, JT, yeah. quickly not getting enough burn bothered me because I, I was wondering in the second half of this game exactly where is he? The other concern I would have, Barrett looked like an absolute mess. I mean, oh. to the point where I don't want to see Barrett on the floor at the end of these games, JT. That scares me more. Well, Barrett was was probably my, like, X-Factor type of guy because Barrett drives me nuts. Like, that's the type of guy. He's on my team. He would drive me nuts because I'm throwing the big money at him. He's a third overall selection. Uh, and, you know, and he's shooting a low percentage. I mean, the he's always typically shot a low percentage. Then I saw a stat. I don't know if you read this. Tommy Beard does a nice job. With the I like stat. Tommy. Tommy's yeah. good. I like Tommy. Yeah, Kenny. He had the stat that like his last 16 games, he's shooting 22% from three heading into the heading into the series. In the modern day NBA, JT, you can't be on the floor at the end yeah. of these games if that's the case. Because, hey, if I'm Cleveland, I'm going to say, RJ, you're wide open from three. Please take the shot by all means. I'm going to beg you to take that shot. Yeah, and I think that's probably why you feel good, though, is because could him, could Grimes quickly and Barrett have 
done a worse job in game one? No. Like as a combination offensively? No. And you still won on the road. Those guys were a combined three. And Brunson, let's be fair, Brunson got into foul trouble too. Brunson missed the entire second quarter. That's your argument right there. Those guys go a combined three of 21. Brunson's in foul trouble. And another thing about Brunson that's impressive is to like not allow that to get in your head and to be fresh in the second half. And, you know, because it ruins your flow and to do what he did. Amazing. So he was in foul trouble. Randall wasn't any good in the in the second half either. I think the number was one of seven. So you had all this stuff kind of stacked up against the Knicks and they still end up winning. Like I would come out of that feeling even better than I did before. Whereas you're also going like Donovan Mitchell's not going to do that. Like he's not Michael Jordan. He's not Larry Bird. He's not going to do that every single game where he gives you an efficient 38 points. So like the combination of those guys not playing great or dealing with foul issues or tailing off second half and and Donovan Mitchell going off and you still win on the road. You got to be feeling real good about that. I, I do. Now, what would have you more concerned next couple of games of this series? Forget about Mitchell. We expect him. It's no. not Jordan, but you expect him to play at a very high level. You know, he's going to feed off the Garland energy. He's going to be into it. Would you be more concerned about Garland and what he provides, or is it the size factor? And both of those bigs, let's be honest, JT, yeah. Mobley was invisible in that game in game one. Like, he did not scare me in the least. I felt like he was a non-factor in the game. No. Like, what is the element from a Nick fan's perspective Outside of Donovan Mitchell, they should be concerned about with Cleveland. Well, so uh, you're you're right with Mobley because Mobley in the first like five minutes, I would say, maybe it was the first three minutes, and I even tweeted about this. Uh, he had that a monster put-back dunk, and then he had the around-the-back pass, and you knew he was out there on the floor, and then like the last 46 minutes of the game, you forgot he was actually playing. And I would assume that, you know, they're going to do a better job on the glass because like when you think about Cleveland, like one of the things like I remember going to training camp last year, uh, not this one, but the year prior when they also had Larry Market and you're going, all right, well, like they're throwing marketing out there in the same lineup with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Aren't you going to be a little bit big? Uh, and then still this year, it's kind of a twin tower thing where you got two defensive minded guys down low and Mobley and Jared Allen. You get your butt kicked 51 to 38 on the boards. I can't imagine now New York's the more physical team, but they're the bigger team uh, with those two guys up front. So I would anticipate that that's going to even up here a little bit. And the other thing I would like just from a Cleveland perspective, and it's driven me nuts all season long, is just to maybe run some plays for Evan Mobley. Like, the guy's a talented offensive player. They run no plays for him. And it's almost like it was all uh, it was all Donovan Mitchell. Like, involves some other people. That's the one downside for Mitchell. Evan Mobley's got an offensive package, as does Darius Garland. So I'd like to see a little bit more out of both. A couple of quick hitters with you. Uh, we given the Nets a game. You've given them two games. You think they get swept by Philly? Uh, I gave them one game. Uh, but the concern with that is game one is... You know, you got Mikael Bridges who played fantastically and you still got blown out. Is Mikael Bridges going to be the best player on the floor every single game? Because I thought Bridges was there, like even a second game. Like, is he going to give you one more game where he's the best player on the floor? I don't necessarily think so. Now, you could say that also James Harden's not going to hit seven threes. In Philadelphia, I think hit a postseason record for them, 21 threes. That's probably not going to happen again. I'll give him one game just because I don't trust Doc Rivers in a postseason spot. I don't trust James Harden in a postseason spot. Uh, so, like, I don't think they're good enough to sweep. And I think Brooklyn actually has played hard. That's the one thing you can say about Jock Vaughn. I know he should probably get some coach of the year votes is the guys don't quit on him. They play hard. So I think if you're a team that plays hard in, in four or five games, you're going to get at least one. Sacramento, full disclosure, I'm rooting like crazy for him. It's an unbelievable environment. I love Sabonis. I love Fox. They got so many guys, JT, that I watched in college. And I, yeah. I feel like they're like the ultimate really good college team that now guys have matured. They've been in the league a couple of years and they've kind of 
hit a little lightning in a bottle. I can't see him winning the series. I hope I'm wrong on this. I'm rooting for Sacramento. I just can't see a team that plays as little defense as Sacramento yeah. beating Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Steve Kerr and the defending champs when it's all said and done. Can the Kings legitimately win this series? Uh, yeah, I thought they could legitimately win it at the start. Now I wow, Golden, okay. I know I did pick Golden State in six, uh, so I thought Golden State would win. Uh, but you know they they look good yesterday. Uh, and Sabonis again, like if you're talking about the Knicks and you're going, oh well, Grimes, R.J. Barrett, and uh, quickly shot three of twenty one and they still won. Uh, you could say that same thing about uh, about Sacramento. You could say, all right, the guy, Justin, that you had uh, is your top five MVP candidate in Sabonis. A lot of other people uh, had had his worst shooting game of the entire season, went five to 17, and they still won. So I'm not expecting De'Aaron Fox to go off for 38 again or, or Malik Monk, uh, but you know Sabonis's game is going to pick up a little bit. So all right, maybe next time De'Aaron Fox only goes off for 28, but guess what? Sabonis will go off for 22 and have a near triple-double. Uh, I mean, that atmosphere, like you said, is electric. That's the one spot I would like to bin in uh, if I'm watching a first-round series in person. Uh, and... You know, you get you get game one, so now he, you know now you only have to win three more. That's definitely doable. It is, um, and the home court is electric. But again, when, when Curry's on the floor, and I couldn't believe at the end of the game. Listen, Wiggins had a wide Why open don't? look. How did, but you want the ball in Curry at Thompson's hands. You know what I mean, JT? Like yeah. at that point in the game, with how unstoppable Curry is in those spots. Like I had money on the Kings. Full disclosure, I was more than happy to see Andrew Wiggins take that shot. I said, I'm glad it's not Curry. That was my feeling. Oh, of, of course. I was surprised Wiggins actually, like, that's the one thing that I think, like, scared me a little bit in the first half when I'm watching that game. So I'm like, Andrew Wiggins hasn't played for a couple of months. Andrew Wiggins looks really he good. He looks really that's good, yeah. The rest of, scare the rest of the NBA. But I'd still, yes, give Wiggins that shot 100 times out of 100 over Clay Thompson or Steph Curry. Um, where do you stand on the Lakers? Are you a believer? Or is it basically, all right, Memphis right now is a flawed team with no size. Reeves and Hachimura, I mean, had every shot imaginable. How legitimate do you see your beloved Los Angeles Lakers? I'm scared shitless. I've been scared shitless. Wow, here for okay. Yeah, well, I and I keep hearing Bill talk about like, well, I, I can't see, you know, can't see him staying healthy. That might be the best thing that you've got is like, I can't see him staying healthy. And you saw Anthony Davis like leave in the first half and it ended up just being a stinger. But you're like, all right, here we go again. And Bill's right. And that's why they're not going to go very far. Uh, but you know, this year, I, I think they just caught a lucky break by where they stand. I mean, you tell me. Memphis without... Uh, uh, without oh, I have to win the series, JT. I already bet it at plus 140. Yeah. And I think they're going to win it in less than seven games, by the way. So I have it double the action yeah. there. So I'm I'm with you. I think they beat Memphis. Yeah, I picked them to beat Memphis in six. I picked them to win the next series as well. I, you know, I picked Golden State to advance. They got the best, uh, they got the best uh, defense in the NBA since the trade deadline. They're a completely different team. Like I tweeted out today... LeBron, have you ever seen LeBron be more passive offensively in a postseason game down the stretch? He's like, no, you take it, Austin Reeves. You deal with it, Rui Hachimura. He kind of just stood back. Like, he was quite arguably the fourth best player on the floor today, okay? And basically, the genesis of my tweet was, he's complaining nonstop about the roster all regular season, and now they won a road playoff game against the two-seed where he might have been the fourth best player on the floor behind Anthony Davis, Hachimura, and Austin Reeves. It's amazing. So, yeah, they have the depth. To not just win this series, but make a deep, deep run. Final one. I give you a mulligan. I give him out plenty when I'm on the golf course. You learn this. You ever come play golf with yeah. me? You get plenty of mulligans and you pull with me. Yeah. I'm giving you the opportunity to repick Knicks Cavaliers. We changing our mind after game one or we sticking with Cavs in seven? 
I thought you were going to give me the mulligan by saying you had the right to call into the show whenever you had a, a you know an issue with me because I would take a mulligan on that. I don't want to hear from you on the. Oh, on the thanks, show. thanks, uh, thanks. Uh, Appreciate that. Uh, I will. I, I'm not going to get off my pick after one game because I understand like how you know people overreact. We get nuts. I get mm-hmm. that. I wanted to yeah. see if one game really swayed the opinion. Though I guess not. Yeah, I mean, let me see. Like, honestly, like, let me see the Knicks win a big uh, game at uh, at home. <laughs> They've been see, horrible. Uh, JT, I'm glad you brought that up. I think the best thing for them was starting in Cleveland. Yeah. It really was. Because, yeah. like, there's something to be said for, like, that environment at the Garden, like, the buildup, the anticipation. And then you just kind of fall flat on your face where it's just a little overwhelming. I think being able to go and get one on the road, it kind of lets you ease into the series. Game two, you kind of go, all right, listen, we all expect Cleveland to win game two. If they don't, the Knicks are sitting pretty if they're up 2-0. But I like the idea of coming back to the Garden minimum 1-1 as opposed to, all right, I'm starting the series at home. That's just yeah, me. And, no, and the other thing is, like, I, I don't – I talk about this all the time with LeBron. Like, beat him early because at his age, once you get, like, to the conference finals, LeBron can now smell it, He can right? smell it, yeah. He's right there. He can smell it, and he's going to be better in the conference finals than he is in maybe the first round or two because he sees the end of the tunnel. Like, you as a Knicks fan and even the players, like, you get kind of charged up when you start to see a path. And I don't know what the results are going to be with Giannis in his back, but you saw Giannis go down and he misses the rest of that heat game. And maybe they come out with an announcement here in the next couple of hours before the pod is released. Maybe they come out with it uh, tomorrow. But if Giannis is hurt long term, that changes the complete complexion of the postseason. That's easily the best game. He's easily the best player. And you look at Miami. I mean, Tyler Hero looks like he's going to be done. He broke his hand. So now you have a path to the conference finals at the very least if you're kind of looking around the rest of the league and you go up 2 nothing later this week. Crazy to think about. Listen, pal, keep up the good work. Appreciate a couple of minutes. Uh, I know it's going to be very busy for you and Mr. Johnson uh, over the next few days. So is the Fox Sabonis argument or the Brunson Randall argument going to be the big headliner on Monday? What can I look forward to? Uh, it's, we're already having issues. We got into a massive fight over text last night. That oh, nice. That's always personal. great. That's yeah, always great. Very personal. Like, uh, so, uh, I, he wants to obviously lead with Sabonis and Fox. Uh, I would like to lead with, uh, with Brunson and, uh, uh and Randall. Uh, but I think it's probably going to be one of these major injuries that we're looking at here with like Tyler Hero or John Moran or, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. So we'll, we'll find something to fight over on that. I'm sure. Well, keep busy. Appreciate a couple of minutes and let's, uh, Maybe try to work out coordinates for a Knicks Celtic Eastern Conference final. Maybe me, you, the pod father, all of the masses coming to Boston and New York. I need that. I, I see I see the path to it happening. Yeah, you just gotta get him from uh from LA to Oh, come he'll to be New here. York. Don't you worry. When the Celtics, he's like LeBron. When he can smell it with the Celtics, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. He he's he, st- he doesn't do that with the Red Sox, but with the Celtics, when he can smell it. You saw him a lot last year. I think you'll see him a lot this year. Got well, I mean, the smell's a little bit different with the Red Sox right now. So well, I mean, that's fantastic. That's they stink. And same with the Patriots. All right, JT. See you, buddy. Yeah. All right, JJ. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
So we're getting ready for a big week in New York, obviously. Knicks game two, but the hockey takes center stage as well. Uh, Islanders, Hurricanes, Monday, but then the main event, Rangers, Devils. It brings me back to Mateau and Henrique and, and Sean Avery and Brodeur. So to preview the series, this guy's fantastic. He's got the best Ranger pod going. Johnny Lazarus, he joined us a couple weeks ago. Buddy, welcome back. You ready? Thanks, JJ. I appreciate the high praise. And uh, no, quite honestly, I am not ready at all. Wow. Look at you <laughs> trying to downplay. I mean, you're giving me like Belichickian answers right now. I think it's it, it's, it's going to be a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams are outstanding. Um, let's start here. Yeah. Rangers. Experience. Good thing or a bad thing against this devil team? I think it's a bad thing. And I, Why I, do you I, say that? Interesting. Off- yeah, I've been coming off a little bit negative to the people that listen to my show, and I'm not trying to be negative, but I look back to this Rangers team last year who didn't have a lot of experience themselves, and sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So you look at the kid line in Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako, who were the standouts in last year's postseason, and everyone was talking about them, how they had no playoff experience. But sometimes you don't understand how big the moment is and, and how important these games really are when there is no pressure on your team. And right now, the Devils have no pressure. They're the first year out of a long rebuild. You know, they haven't been in the postseason since 2018. They have a brand new superstar in Jack Hughes, who's now a household name across North America. And the window is just now opening for New Jersey. They are playing in playoff hockey with absolutely no pressure. Whereas the Rangers, the window is probably going to shut if you don't win the cup this year because you just went out and took a risk and got Patrick Kane and Tarasenko. And listen, I'm not going to say the window is going to shut, but it's going to get a lot smaller and smaller before it gets bigger and bigger. That's for sure. Because... Right now, this organization, as far as the Rangers go, is in cup or bust mode. And no one was ready for that, let's say, two years ago. Because they put out a letter back in like 2016, 2017, that they're going to break this thing down and build it back up. And it's been so much quicker than anyone could have anticipated. Last year, they are in the postseason for the first time in five years. And now, all of a sudden, they're supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders and Stanley Cup champions. So it's a very quick turnaround. A lot of pressure on the Rangers. The Devils... You know, they're they're kind of happy to be here, but they also want to prove something and take down the Rangers and, you know, ruin the hopes of all New Yorkers. So it, it's right. a very interesting storyline. I haven't seen a ton of the Devils this year. I'll be the first to admit that. What is it about their firepower, Johnny, that makes them so scary? We know Hughes. It's a name we've heard about for a long time. They go and make the trade and, and get Timo Meyer. They have Pollard, who, you know, kills the Rangers from his days with Tampa Bay. What is it about Jersey's attack that scares you the most from a Ranger perspective? It's just speed. It's all speed and skill. And sometimes that doesn't translate to playoff hockey as far as the skill goes because you need the speed and need the grit as well. But the Devils, they just, they turn the game around so quick in the, in the neutral zone. And that's something the Rangers are going to have to focus on specifically is how they can clog the neutral zone and not allow the Devils to cross over the offensive blue line with possession because... I don't know if there's a better team, maybe the Edmonton Oilers, but there's not many better teams off the rush than the Devils right now. I mean, you look at Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Timo Meyer, Andre Palat, Dawson Mercer, all these talented guys up front who can really just skate with the puck and create off the offensive rush. That's their most dangerous thing about them is their ability to create two-on-ones, create three-on-twos, and really create on-man rushes into the offensive zone and then finish on those chances. So the Rangers, what they have to do to shut down the Devils is really clog up that neutral zone, play a 1-3-1 and make the Devils dump it, dump the puck in, and go get it because the Devils are a team that can, you know, make plays. They have a ton of skill. They can wheel around the offensive zone. And if you take away their time and space, that's what's going to hurt them the most. Is the biggest advantage, John, for the Rangers in this series, Igor and what he provides in net? It has to be, right? 
It's spot on. I mean, these two teams are both very talented offensively. They're both strong defensively, but the Rangers far and away have the better goaltending. I think any hockey fan will tell you. I think the Devils fans will tell you that. Uh, if the Devils fans aren't telling you that, they're liars. You know, we'll say, I'll say it flat out. Right now, I think, you know, the, the Devils are a more consistent team at five on five than the Rangers are, but the Rangers should be a better power play team. They finished seventh in the regular season. Uh, you know, their power play has been a little bit better as of late, but pretty inconsistent throughout the season. And it's funny because last year, the Rangers' biggest issue was five on five scoring. Their five on five scoring is better this year, but last year, their power play was a top five power play in the NHL the entire season. And now it's dropped a little bit to like that seven, eight, nine, 10 range. Um, but to your point, I think the experience and the skill for the Rangers, it, it all goes back to the goaltending because the skill is going to cancel each other out. You know, both teams have 90 point scorers, 80 point scorers, 70 point scorers. You know, those guys are going to do their job, but it's the goaltender that shows up and steals the games that's going to, you know, be the ultimate champion in this series. They made two big trades. We talked about one of them with Patrick Kane a couple of weeks ago when you came on this pod. Who do you think has a bigger impact for the Rangers? in this postseason run? Is it Kane or is it Tarasenko? To me, it's Tarasenko. And, you know, I think Patrick Kane, listen, obviously he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday, one of the best American-born players ever. And he's been an incredible playmaker, but the Kane he is right now isn't as effective as the Tarasenko that we're seeing right now. Tarasenko is a much bigger body, much more physical player, has looked pretty solid defensively as well. But the thing that separates Tarasenko, which the Rangers have needed in the past years, is a shoot-first player and a guy that can just you know, naturally score goals. Uh, you look at Kreider last year, he became a guy that can put the puck in pretty consistently. But outside of Mika Zibanejad and Kreider, the Rangers never really had a shoot-first guy. Last year, it became Frank Vetrano, who was a third-line player, but Vetrano was getting first-line minutes because his shot was his biggest threat, his biggest weapon. And Vetrano was able to score goals in the playoffs, and Tarasenko's going to have to fill that void of a guy who, you know, when Mika's taken away, when Kreider's taken away, he's the guy that's left open that can finish pucks. And Tarasenko, to me, you know, he's a guy who's done it before in the playoffs. He helped the Blues win the Stanley Cup back in 2019. Kane just doesn't have the, maybe the firepower, I guess would be the word, that he used to have. But Tarasenko still has that running gun in him. Give me the X factor for the Rangers. Forget about goaltending. We know it. Igor has to be great, obviously, if they're going to go on an extended postseason run. But this series and beyond, if it's one player, if it's one particular element, what is an X factor, John, that Ranger fans should be looking at saying, if we do this, we can have ourselves another deep April, May into June type of cup run. So I wrote a story about Tarasenko being the X factor, but I'm going to change it up a little bit this time around. I do think Jacob Truba could be a huge difference maker just because especially, you know, I, I think about the Devils series specifically when skilled players like Jack Hughes, like Jesper Bratt, like Dawson Mercer, like Timo Meyer are constantly being hit. They think a little bit more when they have the puck. And Jacob Truba is going to be the guy, obviously, he set the tone the entire season, his first year as Rangers captain. If Jake, if Jacob Truba hits Jack Hughes in the opening five minutes of game one, guess who's shitting their pants? Sorry, I don't know if I can curse on here. I, he I can. There's no yeah. FCC in podcasting. We're okay. <laughs> guess who's shitting their pants next time he has the puck for the next five, six, seven games? Who knows how long this series can go, right? Like, Jack Hughes is going to have his head up every time he knows Jacob Truba's on that ice. Like, Truba has laid arguably the biggest hits out of anyone in the entire NHL this season. So, I think if Truba can set the tone, and I think Miles Wood for the Devils is the guy who's going to, you know, somewhat try to cool Truba down and show that the Devils are a much tougher team than they are. You know, there's not many guys that are stepping up to Truba and winning that fight. So for me, Jacob Truba is the difference maker, not only in this series. You know, if the Rangers go on, they're going to play Carolina, who's a physical team, or the Islanders, you know, another team that likes to spice things up too. 
So it's going to be true, but that sets the tone, I think, along the way, and especially in this series against the Devils. Fascinating. Okay, I'll let you phrase it this way. The Rangers win this series if the Devils win this series if. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, the Rangers will win this series if they are the more physical team. Okay. The Devils will win this series if they can throw Igor Shosturkin off his game. Interesting. I think I think that's just you know first thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, obviously, I'll, I'll you know say back to last year's Penguin series. Igor had a really tough time on the road in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, oh, that was just, to the point where some Ranger fans, Johnny, didn't want him starting Game Five. No, I, and listen, I said, you know, I, I said Brooke Hewitt had been there too. I was, I was kind of on, uh, you know, on board with shaking things up. You know, things did not look good, but you know, Igor Shosturkin, to his credit, found ways to bounce back to the entire playoffs and. You know, I think he knows what to expect in a road environment now come playoff time. You know, his first playoff experience was in the bubble where there was no fans. So that was his first ever playoff road environment. And luckily for him, this playoff road environment will probably be 50% Ranger fans. So, you know, there's going to be Igor chance coming in Newark on uh, Tuesday and Thursday night, I would imagine. So, you know, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, at the top of his game. He's been really good in the last six starts he's had. You know, he's got a .18 or .939 save percentage, 1.82 goals against average in his last six starts. So, He's playing as the Igor Shosturkin we saw last year. Um, but yeah, I think for, for the Rangers, it's, you know, be physical, scare them. And for the Devils, just find a way to rattle Igor. You know, I'm a bet man, Johnny boy. Devils, minus 126 to win the series. Rangers, a slight underdog, plus 105. You surprised the Rangers, the slight underdogs in this series? Honestly, yeah, the Rangers are being disrespected by a lot of people. Uh, you know, Money Puck had the Rangers as like the second worst team with uh, percentage-wise to win the Stanley Cup, and I'm not sure why because I think after the Kane trade, everyone was like, "Oh, the Rangers, are the Cup favorites." I don't know what changed in the last month. Uh, you know, the Rangers won like five and five in their last ten games. Maybe that's why. But uh, I'll actually do you a favor here. I parlayed the Rangers and the Islanders to both win their series. I think. Oh, I was going to ask yeah. you about the Islanders, so I'm glad you brought that up. You mm-hmm. think Islanders plus 160 against a beat up Carolina team? A lot of value, you think, with the Islanders there? I think if you're looking at an underdog to bet in the first round, the Islanders are your best option. Interesting. Um, okay. The way this team's been playing, they've they've looked really strong down the stretch. They've had one of the best goalies in the league, Ilya Sorokin, this year. He was also phenomenal last year, and. They've been doing this all without Matt Barzell, who's probably making his return in game one. So the Islanders are only going to get better than they've been the last couple of games. Barzell's been out of the lineup for the last month or so. So I think they're a better team with him in the lineup. And Carolina, man, they're missing their best player in Svechnikov. They're missing Pacioretty. And their goaltending has been a little inconsistent this season. So if you're asking me for one underdog in the NHL, it's the Islanders. And, uh, you know, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to see a Ranger-Islanders second-round series? That's what I'm saying. So if the Rangers take care of business and the Islanders upset Carolina, then we get to do this whole, you know, borough, state, uh, the county. I don't even know. I, the Hudson rivalry works mm-hmm. with Rangers-Devils. I, I don't know what we're calling the New York <laughs> Ranger-Islander battle. Listen, my geography terms are a little thrown off. But, man, I can't imagine what a Ranger-Islander playoff series would be like. We haven't had one in my lifetime in forever. No, I've never seen one. And, uh, you know, if 94 my heart is a long, long time ago, Johnny boy. Yeah. If my heart can't handle a devil series, I don't know how it's going to handle an Islander series. So, uh, it'll be, you know what? Th- there's a lot of storylines in that one, too, though. Like, you know, Shusterkin and Sorokin are best friends, and it'd be really cool to see those two go at it. They're the future of this rivalry. Um, you know, just like Jack Hughes and Lafreniere and Kako are. So, there's a lot of cool situations right now in the postseason. And, there's something magical in the air in New York right now in sports world, isn't it? Like the We Knicks, are cooking. The Nets, There's no doubt. You know? With the basketball, with the baseball, with the hockey, 
Giants are fresh off a postseason appearance. Life is good. Uh, Final one. Rangers and how many? I know you're picking them. You spoiled the fun there. How many for the Rangers? <laughs> I, th- I think six. Uh, I think the Devils actually come out and win game one. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say this. So I think there's going to be a split in Jersey and a split in New York. And I think the Rangers take the pivotal game five in Jersey and come home and finish it off. Rangers in six. Johnny Lazarus, where can we find your Ranger podcast? I know you're going to be busy over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I actually have cool news, too. I'm uh, the Rangers writer for the Hockey News now, so I'm in the press box writing some stories. A lot stories. of cooking for you. How um, about that? So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited with that. But uh, the Blue Crew Pod, you can find it on any podcast platform. We're going to be posting, I think, actually every game day throughout the playoffs. going to try to add to the content for the playoff run. So, um, yeah, just check it out on Twitter. You can follow the Blue Crew Pod, Instagram, the Blue Crew Pod, and uh, a lot of cool stuff coming. Dude, continued success, Ben. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, might be uh, telling you there on that Ranger Islander uh, two-teamer. I like it, buddy. I like it. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it. And before I do hop off, B-Real just went off, so I got to get you in the B-Real here. Oh, here we go. Am I in the B-Real? See, I don't get B-Real. I I had it. I never post. My little sister's post. Did I make the B-Real? <laughs> well, it's going to be me. It's going to be me first, then you. So keep the peace signs up. Oh, there we go. See? All right. Wait, wait. Don't go. I'm not in yet. Oh, my God. I think you missed it. We might have to redo it. We're going to have redo to redo it. it. See, folks, yeah, hold it up. <laughs> this is what happens right now when I'm trying to be a team player on the B-Real. We're going to have to do a countdown. Here we go. Well, now you're late. What are you doing? You I don't know how this works. <laughs> I don't know how it works. That's why I stopped right. doing it. Keep the peace sign up for like 10 seconds. All right, here we go. Bang. We're good. See, there <laughs> we go. I'm a man of the people. Johnny Lazarus. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, JJ. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, the floor is yours. What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picture to be for a Monday and Tuesday. For Monday, I got one NBA game and one Major League Baseball game. In the NBA, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors minus the one over the Sacramento Kings. And in baseball, I'm going to go with the Colorado Rockies minus the 135 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. On Tuesday, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers minus the five over the New York Knicks. Again, on Monday, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors minus the one. In baseball, I'm going to take the Rockies minus the 135. And on Tuesday, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers minus the five. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Uh, I can't say I'm rooting for your Cleveland pick on Tuesday. And I will be heads up with you on Monday night because I think Sacramento is going to go up 2-0 in this series. I think the Warriors will be heard from. I think the Warriors will defend their home court. I think Sabonis is going to be much better. Sabonis could not have played worse in game one, and Sacramento still found a way to win. That home crowd right now is not something I want to be going against. So, heads up action. Mono e mano, my boy. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday night. We are going to have a jam-packed Tuesday night after Rangers-Devils, after Knickerbocker-Cavalier. Twitter Spaces, live show. If you miss them, they're a ton of fun. So you're really missing out on a good time. We will rock it on Saturday. We will be rocking that much more and that much longer on Tuesday. So check in for that. We'll be back on Thursday as well this week. Loaded week of content. We do not stop here on the New York, New York feed. Good job by Stefan. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. On that note, JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>